Hello and happy holidays to all of our listeners. It's the December ERJ podcast. It's a special podcast with myself, James Chalmers, the chief editor of the European Respiratory Journal, and Don Sin, the deputy chief editor. Looking back over 12 months at the ERJ, together we're going to be saying all the uh, papers that we really enjoyed this year and some of the highlights that you can look forward to next year. So Don, what's been your highlight in terms of uh, the papers that we've published this year? Well, my favorite uh, paper of the year was a paper on long COVID by Sonadol. came from the McMaster group uh, led by Dr. Manali and Mukherjee. And here they showed that autoantibodies may be associated with some of the symptoms of long COVID, including fatigue and shortness of breath. While there have been a few smaller studies in the past showing this, this is by far the largest and the most comprehensively phenotyped paper on this area. And as we all know, long COVID is a serious problem in our community, affecting maybe one in 10, one in 15 individuals who had SARS-CoV-2 infection. And so we're talking about millions of people around the world with this condition for which there is no therapeutic solution. And I think this study provides a path towards understanding the mechanisms of long COVID and finding real therapeutic solutions for the millions who are suffering from this disease. Yeah, that, that was a terrific paper. I'm impressed you're so decisive, Don, that you knew immediately what your favorite paper of the year was. <laughs> I, I struggle to pick one out of so many excellent papers that we've had this year. One that I would probably highlight would be the uh, long-term effects of triple combination modulator therapy on sputum viscoelastic properties in CF. We had a study from the group in Germany looking at the effects of triple combination modulator therapy in CF. We had quite a few modulator papers this year, actually, because there's been a revolution in CF. And it's amazing to see not just the effects that these drugs have on the patients, but also the amazing anti-inflammatory effects you see crashing down levels of neutrophil elastase and other types of inflammatory markers in these patients who take modulators. On the other side, we published a a study from the the French Compassionate Program in patients who don't have Delta F508 mutations in CF, so patients who currently aren't eligible for modulators, where they showed a large proportion of patients with rare mutations were able to derive benefit from modulator therapy, opening up another population of patients that can benefit from these uh, transformational treatments. So I would say certainly in CF, we had a few real highlights this year for me. Well, absolutely true. I think uh, we had really nice uh, CF papers and the triple modulator therapies having a revolution in CF care. So I, I totally agree with you. Another paper that I'd like to highlight as a, maybe in the category of biomarkers or novel therapeutics, is the paper by Guberl and colleagues where they looked at the novel compound, the clarimab, that is an anti-TSLP, but it's in an inhaled form. It's an antibody fragment. And I thought this was a very clever phase two study where they used biomarkers as their primary readout. And basically what they did was they gave a single dose of eclerimab to patients with mild to moderate asthma and looked at biomarkers such as airway hyperresponsiveness, sputum eosinophils, phenol, all the really well-established biomarkers for severe asthma and showed remarkable reduction in type 2 inflammation 
related to FTTSLP, including a 60% reduction in sputum eosinophils. This was a multicenter phase two trial. And this group has done this kind of phase two trials before and have really propelled novel therapeutics in severe asthma, including TSLP, to the forefront of asthma care. So I'm really looking forward to the phase three trial of Eclerumab. And this will be a tremendous boost for the care of severe asthmatics in Canada and throughout the world. Yeah, incredible to see the developments in severe asthma, just the number of new therapies that are coming through. And there's another one published in the ERJ. A paper I'd like to highlight was actually early in the year, in the February issue, was a study by Chanderaj et al. And it was a study that I really liked because it was really multidisciplinary. So this is in critically ill patients, anti-anaerobic antibiotics increase risk of adverse clinical outcomes. And what I really liked about this paper is they started off with a really big database of patients who'd uh, been administered intravenous antibiotics for critical illness and showed that those who got anti-anaerobic antibiotics had worse outcomes. But they didn't stop there with the epidemiology. They actually then took it to both human microbiome studies and experiments in experimental models, in vivo models, to show that administration of anti-anaerobic antibiotics increased mortality in experimental models of sepsis. Uh, and I thought it was a really great example of going from large data observation in humans through to proving the, the mechanism in experimental models. And I, I really love that kind of science. So that's another one that I would pick out as a highlight of the year. Well, on that note, uh, I'd like to highlight a similar but a kind of a different study, an epidemiologic study that we published in the April issue of ERJ. And it's entitled Obstructive Sleep Apnea and Five-Year Cognitive Decline in the Elderly. We all know that cognitive decline is a major problem in our community, especially among the elderly. But the risk factors and the causal pathways associated with the accelerated decline in cognition are unknown. It's been speculated for many, many years that obstructive sleep apnea and sleep-related breathing disorders may be contributing to early cognitive decline. But this is, I think, by far the largest study where they've actually shown it in an epidemiologically rigorous fashion. And what the, uh, the investigators did was studied over 350 elderly individuals without dementia and did a home polysomnography and did careful assessment of their cognition using standard tools like MMSE, mini mental state examination, and many other instruments. And over a five to eight year period, they showed that elderly individuals with sleep apnea, and particularly with oxygen desaturation in the evening, had an accelerated decline in their cognition. I think this is a fabulous study. They control for well-known confounders and showed a very strong association. And I think this study sets up the next phase, which is probably a clinical trial using CPAP or, or other devices to correct the sleep apnea and see if a cognitive decline can be modified in these uh, susceptible individuals. So I thought this was a fantastic study and uh, really a possible breakthrough in the field of cognition and sleep-related breathing disorder. Yeah, terrific. And there's many others, I think, that we could highlight from this year's papers. I, I'm delighted with the quality of the journal every month when it comes out. 
this was a really great year for images in the ERJ, and we we introduced for the first time graphical abstracts as part of the effort to make the journal a little bit more beautiful. Were there any images that stood out for you, Don, as really outstanding this year? Yes, you know I think uh, graphical abstracts will be a staple for all of the ERJ papers beginning in 2024, and we've had tremendous feedback from that. The one I think I'd like to highlight uh, today is the paper that looked at the effects of Sotadercept on hemodynamics and right heart function by Sousa et al., which was published in, I believe, in the September issue of the ERJ. The abstract is very visually attractive with multiple colors, but also very informative and easy to follow in terms of what the investigators did and what the salient findings from the trials were. I hope that uh, our uh, authors in 2024 will use this as a template for their graphical abstracts to highlight their papers in the DRJ. Yeah, that was a beautiful graphical abstract. It helps when you've got uh, results as beautiful as that, because they've got some graphs with some amazing effect sizes there. So that certainly that certainly helps when you're you're drawing a beautiful graphical abstract. Um, but we do we want to encourage all of our authors to produce graphical abstracts next year, so that we can keep uh, finding new ways to communicate science to our readers. So, Don, it's Christmas. It's the the season of giving presents to everybody. So can we give a few presents to our listeners who might want to get their papers published and highlighted next year? Give our readers some tips on on what makes an ERJ paper and what they can do to make sure their paper gets accepted next year. Well, we are inviting all authors to present their best work at the ERJ. We definitely want to see a lot more randomized controlled trials good observational studies that provide new insight on the management and care of patients with respiratory disorder, and some good translational studies that provide new insights on the mechanisms of disease. I think one of the things that uh, really makes papers stand out is the way that papers are put together. They're easy to follow with good graphics, good abstract, good tables just makes the peer review process that much easier. And it shows to us the seriousness of the authors in presenting their work. So I would definitely uh, encourage authors to look carefully at the papers that were published this year and uh, make sure that they present their very best to the ERJ. I know this year we instituted the My Paper, My Way format at the ERJ. James, would you like to just elaborate on that and how uh, authors can take advantage of this new formatting rule? Yeah, so thank you, Don. So we've this year instituted My Paper, My Way at the ERJ, which is part of our ongoing commitment to be on the side of authors. It's been estimated that thousands of hours are wasted by scientists reformatting papers for journals for initial submission. And so at the ERJ, we've now adopted an approach which means that we will allow any format to be submitted for the initial submission as long as the paper is understandable and is suitable to be sent out for peer review. So you don't need to strictly adhere to word counts or to manuscript formatting instructions for the initial submission, which makes it easier when you've decided to submit your paper to the ERJ. We hope this will save our authors some time uh, and make the ERJ even more attractive for that initial submission. I already know it's been extremely popular with a lot of our authors. It sure has. And as an author myself, I've personally used that approach and it's been fabulous. And the other thing I think 
we should highlight is the fact that if your paper has been reviewed by another journal in the past and you want to include those reviews with trap changes, we'd be delighted to see them. As somebody who reviews regularly for other journals, it's such a shame to have to uh, disregard those reviews and not have a response to those reviews when you've put in a lot of work to a manuscript. And so I think it's great that we now allow those reviews to be used and revisions to be made to the manuscript and submitted with your submission so that we can uh, see what changes you've made and use those reviews to make our decisions on manuscripts. So Donna, I want to look forward to 2024. There's a few new initiatives at the journal that are worth highlighting. What are you really looking forward to in 2024? Well, as you know, uh, we had a, a call for long COVID papers, which we closed in November 1, uh, 2023. And the response from the community has been truly outstanding with a lot of high quality papers that were submitted. And now the fun part happens, which is that these papers will be published in early 2024. So I look forward to seeing those papers in the ERG and most importantly, for the results to have a true impact on the care and management of patients, millions of patients with lung COVID throughout the world. So I think that process will begin in March or April of 2024. How about you? What are you looking forward to? What I'm really looking forward to is um, more high quality original research, more practice changing clinical trials. We really want to encourage the submission of clinical trial papers to the ERJ. They're always popular with our readers and always important. And the other thing that I'm looking forward to is our review series. So we have two rolling review series, which are the state of the arts, which are really about clinically relevant reviews on major respiratory topics. And then the back to basics, which is bringing the basic sciences to the readers. I already know that we've commissioned a number of really exciting topics for 2024. So I'm really looking forward to seeing those in the journal in the next 12 months. It's going to be a really exciting time for the ERJ and a really exciting time for respiratory medicine. So I'm looking forward to next year. Same here. I mean, we obviously uh, welcome even unsolicited uh, reviewing papers or opinion papers to the ERJ. Our readers also are really uh, interested in guidelines and uh, ERS statements. We have several lined up for 2024. So that's been our roundup of 2023 at the European Respiratory Journal. Hopefully you found the content of the journal useful for your clinical practice and your science. I hope that we're doing everything that we can to serve the community and to serve the society. The journal is your journal. Uh, we want to hear from you if you have any feedback about the content of the journal or how the journal is delivering for you. And we would take this opportunity to wish our listeners a very happy and successful 2024.